This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Good morning. How are we doing? Yes. I love it. Love it. So um, bear with us as the audio just gets adjusted and tweaked as we go. Um, man, what do you do? That's life. You know, all good. Uh, if that's the worst of our problems today, we're, we're doing pretty well, right? Um, so, uh, man, this, this sermon this week uh, jumped into the deep end. Uh, it's, it's, very, it's, very, uh, it's a very heady topic, um, mainly because it's talking about the head and our mind and our brain. That was, that was a joke. Was it, was it good? It was great. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just going to talk to you because you're very affirming right now. So. Um, man, so yeah, just, I just doing some reading and studying um, on the mind. Jesus says that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our, our heart, soul, strength, and mind. Um, the, the Bible talks about the mind and our thoughts a lot and how we love God with our mind. And so um, it, it's also very complex, right? The, the brain is an interesting thing. Um, and I'm, I'm learning more and more about neuroscience, and just saying that sounds sophisticated and fancy. Um, so I may just say it again, neuroscience, because it kind of makes me feel confident. Um, some books that I've been reading. Uh, so Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table by uh, my good friend Louis Giglio. We aren't really good friends yet. Louis, if you hear this, hit me up. Love to go buy you lunch. Um, also, John Mark Comer, Live No Lies. It's a new book by his. Um, by him, and so this talks a lot about the, the spiritual warfare of, of the mind. Another book I've read recently, Jenny Allen's um, Get Out of Your Head? What's it called? Is it it? Get Out of Your Head? Okay, Jenny Allen's Get Out of Your Head um, is another one that I've read recently on the mind. And then um, I'm, I'm reading the most scientific book is by Dr. Caroline Leaf, um, and, and that one is just like... Okay, that's a lot of words that I've never learned, um, never really cared to learn either. But um, she's, a, she's a, a Christian, and she was in an interview with Louis Giglio. He has a podcast, and, and both of them kind of made the statement, like a lot of times we, we like to pit God and science against each other. Like, oh, man, you can't believe in and love science and believe in and love God. And, and Louis's like, well, well, God is the ultimate scientist. Like, he's the creator of all things. So really, science just enforces um, God. And he said he tells all of his scientist friends, like, hey, yeah, go to your scientists. Go, go seek after what's true because God is true, and eventually you'll end up a God. Um, and I was like, that's a great, that's a great way to approach it. Um, so just know that we got some of these books out there. There's some other ones um, online if you, if you want to know more. And, and I use these in helping um, prepare for this, this sermon. So we're talking about abiding in Christ, right? Abiding meaning being connected to, to Jesus. I, I had Susie, which was an orange tree, and we broke off a branch from Susie, Branchy, and, and Branchy can only produce fruit when she's connected to the tree. On her own, uh, could, like removed from a source of life, a branch will not live or die, or will not live, it will die, it will not produce fruit. Branch is an orange tree, so if she wants to go and produce apples, she's like, I feel like I'm an apple tree, and so she takes off to produce apples. Well, she's not only going to not produce apples, she's not going to produce oranges, right? So for the branch to produce fruit, she's got to be connected to the source of life. And Jesus uses that imagery in John 15 and says, for us to produce spiritual fruit, to live as we were created to live, we've got to be connected to the source of life, and that's God himself. We've got to abide in relationship with God, and that happens by faith in Jesus. 
right? And so then we've kind of been talking about, okay, how do we abide? What are obstacles that get in the way of, of abiding? The one we talked about last week was just busyness, that, that we fill our lives with so many lesser things. Maybe they're not wrong, they're just lesser, that we crowd out space literally for the more important things, the greater things. So Jesus tells us, seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added to you. Like we're instructed to seek first, to abide in him and then trust that everything else will, will follow. And so today then we wanna talk about what can keep us from abiding or what can help us abide is when we take every thought captive to obedience to Jesus. When we take every thought captive and we determine where our thoughts will lead us. And when we determine that those thoughts, we choose thoughts that lead us to obedience in Jesus. In, um, gosh, really all of these books, uh, they make the claim, and it, it makes sense, that what we think about leads to what we feel, which leads to what we, we do. So we think and then we feel, and then we, we do, we act on it, right? And so um, I think about like ice cream. I love to eat ice cream. Um, anybody else like ice cream? I should probably just say who doesn't like ice cream, right? And no, that'd be too, that'd be too isolating, and, and then we don't, we don't do that, right? So, but I didn't like ice cream until I knew that ice cream existed, right? You, like we don't think about ice cream, we don't feel an affection for ice cream or even want to eat it until we at least know that it's a reality and then we have thoughts about it, and we're like, oh, they seem to like it. I would like to maybe try that. And then we have some feelings towards it, and then we act on it, right? So what we think about leads to what we feel, which leads to what we do. And now thoughts are like a tree. Literally, thoughts in our brain are physical things, and they're much like a tree. And so here's an image. I think it's the orange one. You see, do you have the one back there, Erica? So that is an image of thoughts in the brain. And so you can see like where there's some, some clusters where it's kind of big, bulky sections. Um, those are thoughts that have been watered more. And as you water your thoughts, as you think on your thoughts, as you dwell on them, we physically build these tree structures in our brain. And then it starts to shape how we feel. The, the bigger the tree, the bigger the, the neural pathway, the more that we feel about it. Think about, think about if you walk up to a field, right? And, and it's, it's tall grass, maybe knee high or something. But, but then you're like, okay, ah, a path. What are you naturally going to do? You're naturally going to walk down the path through the tall grass. The thoughts that we make create neural pathways in our brain, and the deeper and more worn down a pathway is, the more naturally we walk down it. Those are called habits. A habit is simply a thought that we watered and grew, and we watered and grew, and it shaped how we feel about something, and then we act on it, to the point eventually where we act on it without even thinking about it. There's a corner at, on UT's campus over by Jester. Um, and, and we were serving hot dogs one day during move-in. And I mean, it's just a small corner that people are like, I'm gonna save 2.4 seconds and I'm gonna cut across the grass instead of staying on the sidewalk and, you know, hypotenuse. The sea is shorter, okay? And so there's a path on the grass that literally saves 2.4 seconds, but every student would walk on that path rather than walking the 90 degree angle on the sidewalk because you don't even think about it. You, 
It's just there's a path and you walk on it. And that's what we do physically, biologically in our brains is we have these thoughts that start out as a little seedling and then we water them by thinking on them more and that produces some feelings about it that waters it more and then we act on it and next thing you know, we're building this giant thought pattern in our brain. And what we think about, we feel, and what we do. Which is fine if we're thinking about godly and good things. Not so fine when the trees of our thoughts are negative, ungodly, toxic thoughts that then begin to control and move our lives in unhealthy ways. So I'll give you an example from my own life. I struggled with this sermon because there's a lot of sermons where I'm like, okay, I personally feel good with, with that sermon. This sermon, I do not. I, like, I ha- this has been a major struggle of mine. I've struggled with anxiety. Um, I feel like, ooh, hold on, getting a little emotional now. Um, and I just told myself earlier, I do not want to cry in church again. Um, and so, uh, struggle with anxiety um, in ways that I, I just never imagined. Um, I, I've seen many counselors. If you are like, oh, a counselor, like some, like I'm just gonna go ahead and kill that myth now. There's nothing wrong with seeing or talking to a counselor or a therapist. Therapist, I actually recommend it, right? If we will go to a physical doctor for a well checkup, why will we not do the same with our mind or our souls? It's silly. Um, it's okay. Go, go see a counselor. Go see a therapist. Go talk to someone. And, and so... One of the things that I've been discovering about myself in this time is that I struggle um, deep down with a, uh, hold on, I was, (laughs) okay, okay. I struggle with a, uh, oh gosh. Stop the clock. I don't, this sermon length time doesn't matter because there's going to be pauses. I struggle with insecurity at a, at a really deep level. And you would probably look at me and never know it or think it, um, but deep down, um, I'm, I'm constantly thinking that people think the worst of me. Anyone else ever feel that way? Or th- okay, great. Super. Um, and so... Um, I, I think that people are thinking the worst or assuming the worst, and, and I've been like, okay, where does this come from? And, and I, best I can tell, when I'm feeling insecure, I mentally perceive myself as a 12-year-old middle school boy. Um, this is getting very... Um, and I look back in middle school, and middle school was the time where I remember getting picked on and made fun of a lot. I was really short. <laughs> not planning for this. Gosh. Um, I'm telling myself what is true in my head right now, just so you know. So middle school, I got picked on a lot. I got made fun of. I was short. I had, people said my head was too big for my body. I finally grew into it. My ears stuck out from my head. My feet were too big. All those things that every middle schooler gets picked on. Right? Middle school is hard. Um, and so I remember thinking all I wanted to do was, was be accepted and be approved of. And, and so I would either act out in order to earn or gain people's approval, right? So I had this thought that everybody's making fun of me and talking about me behind my back and picking on me. So I want to do whatever I can do to fit in and be in the crowd and, and be in. Um, but I would also just have these self-defeating negative thought patterns. Um, and... and 
knowing what I know now, which we don't know in middle school, um, or I don't know when, right, is that that was creating deep thought patterns in, in my brain. And so it got better when I trusted Christ in high school. Um, I feel like it was probably one of the first times that I felt confident in myself. Um, but then it shifted to when I started pursuing what God called me to, which is vocational ministry, I would start comparing myself to other Christians, and I never measured up. I was always less than. I'd walk into a room of other pastors, and I'd assume, like, oh, they're all better than me. They're all smarter than me. They all look down on me. They all think I can't. Um, this was a short section. And so what happens with this thinking, with this neural pathway, these thoughts that I have created, right? If I sit down, and I sit before... And I sit before God and I say, God, do you think this of me? His answer is 100% no. And so I, I know the right thinking, but I've built these neural pathways of negative thinking that now affect how I feel about myself and around others and also then moves me to how I act around others. I either act out in a way to earn approval or I distance myself and guard and retreat in order to self-protect and not put myself out in a vulnerable position much like this one. And so I'm starting to learn that when we have negative toxic thinking, it biologically shapes our brain and we can't help but feel what we've built in our brain and then we do and act based on those feelings, which again is good if those thoughts are godly and true and can also terrorize and imprison your life if they are not. And so, okay, got past that, we're we'll good now. So, so where are we going with this when it comes to abiding in Christ? Our purpose on this planet is to love God is to be in a loving relationship with God and then to give love to the world around us. So think, feel, do, right? What we think about, we feel, we do. So if we are to love God, that's the feeling aspect. Hit that slide there, right? So think, feel, do. The next one is that what we feel is to love God and what we do is to live for God. And y'all are smart people. If you do the equation, what is going to impact how we love God and then live for God? It is our thinking. How we think about God will shape how we feel about God, which will shape how we live for God. So if we are going to abide in Christ, if we are going to love God and then live for him, our thoughts have to be of God and godly because that is what leads us to loving God and then to living for God. Is when we have God-honoring thoughts. Show me a person who loves God deeply and is living for him and I will guarantee you that they are thinking often of God. Show me a person who is not living as Jesus lives, who is not loving God, and I will show you a person who is not thinking often of God. And in fact, they are probably doing everything they can to not think of God. Think of a person that you know loves God and lives for him, and I promise you, they think often of God. Not just for the five minutes in the morning or their quiet time, but they are thinking of God throughout the day. Because physically, 
Their brains are being shaped with God-honoring thoughts that then determine how they feel about God, which then determines how they live for God. So if we're going to abide in Christ, we have to think of God. And this is perhaps the primary battlefield for your faith and your relationship with God, is our mind. The devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil is real, and he wants to make your life miserable. And if the abundant fullness of life is in loving God and living for God, and the way that we do that is by thinking rightly of God, then where is the devil going to attack? Our thinking, our thoughts. Ephesians 6 says that we are in a spiritual battle. That there is an adversary that wants to destroy you. That wants to destroy you. We see that in Genesis 3. In the very beginning, if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis 3. Right, so Genesis 1 and 2, everything is perfect and right. Everything turns negatively in Genesis chapter 3. When, when Adam and Eve, they, they eat the fruit that God told them not to eat. But let's read these verses and let's see what happens before they even eat. Before they do the action of eating the fruit, let's see what happens. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say to you, you shall not eat any tree in the garden? Is that what God said? Nope. God said you can eat of all of them except the one. So he's taking something that was almost true and just slightly tweaking it. Pull out a word here, a word there, right? Did God really say you can't eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, here's her first mistake, don't entertain a conversation with the devil. We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Also really close to accurate, but not quite. God said nothing about touching it. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight, there's that feel part, it was a delight to the eyes. And that the tree was, be to was to be desired to make one wise, then she acted. She took of its fruit and ate, and also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And I just want to read verse 7 because it so clearly portrays the brokenness that immediately comes with sin. Then the eyes of both were opened, and for the first time they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Chapter 2 ends with they were naked and unashamed. They had nothing to hide from. And immediately their first step when sin enters the picture is to hide. If there's ever an inclination in you to hide, it is of Genesis 3. It is of the darkness. It is not of God. So we see that she eventually ate the fruit. But what happened first? Where was the first attack? Here. A deceitful thought enters her mind 
And instead of rebuking it and putting it away, she entertains it. What about this? I don't know. She thinks on it. She waters the thought. We see the complete opposite with Jesus in the wilderness. Satan comes and whispers a deceitful lie that's close to accurate but not quite accurate. And instead of watering that thought, Jesus immediately rebukes it and responds with truth. You see the compare and contrast. That's why Jesus is called the second Adam. Because the first Adam had the temptation, which there's nothing wrong with the thought or the temptation. Where it goes wrong is what we do with that. The first Adam entertained the thought and the idea, thought about like, oh, maybe this would be better. Maybe I would enjoy this some more. Jesus shut it down. That's why he's the second and better Adam. And so they entertain the thought. The devil's aim is to get us thinking about a lie entertaining it in our minds. His first step is not to get us acting. His first step is to get us thinking about a lie, thinking about a slight manipulation of truth. Because he knows that if we will just water that, it will grow. And as it grows, our hearts towards God will start to shift towards something else, and then our hands and our feet will follow into destruction, the very thing he wants us to live in. The same tactic as today. Happens all the time today. Did God really mean this? Like, did he really call me to be faithful before marriage and after marriage? Like, maybe it was like, yes, be faithful here, and I can also dabble over here if it doesn't hurt anybody. Right? We just start to slightly tweak, and that's exactly what Satan wants. Like, did God really tell me not to get drunk? I mean, what is drunk anyways? He says, don't get drunk on wine, so obviously liquor's okay. We just slightly, he just wants us entertaining at first. Doesn't God want me to have fun? Like, God's for an abundant life. Well, this is a lot of fun, so I think I should be able to do this. I think I deserve this right. I think I deserve to indulge a little bit. It's not really who I am. It's just a one-off thing. It's just a a bachelor weekend, right? It's not really who I am, right? So so we, we start to entertain these thoughts, and that is exactly what the devil wants us to do. Yeah, so Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, do not lie to anyone because with the new nature of Jesus Christ, but what if me lying actually protects somebody? Right? What, what if it's actually better for that person? The devil just wants us entertaining thoughts because he knows that as we entertain untrue, deceitful thoughts, we will water them and that will lead to how we feel and that will lead to how we do, which leads to destruction. Our thoughts is where the battle is found. Will we believe God's word? Black and white compromise that is his aim it's to get us to compromise just it's just great it's not having crossed the line i'm just kind of straddling it i'm just playing with fire right i'm not actually burning anything down compromise and it starts here it starts with our thoughts and we water that thought 
and it grows. The good news is this, though. By faith in Jesus, victory is ours. We live today from victory, not for victory. I'm telling myself this as much as anybody else. The negative thought patterns in our life do not control us. In Christ, we have a choice for what thoughts we're going to water and grow and build. Either negative toxic ones or positive ones. Eric, could you have that slide of the two kind of progressing um, images? Physically, it takes about 21 days for a habit to form. So if you look at the top one, which is negative thinking, and the bottom one, we literally have a choice by what we think about if we are going to reduce the size of the negative thoughts in our brains and increase the size of our positive. It's called the neuroplasticity of the brain. Another word that sounds really fancy. Meaning we can physically reshape our brain and the neural pathways that we have. Just like a pathway of grass, stop walking down it and what happens? The grass will come up. Start walking down new ones and what happens? You'll create a new path. Stop thinking negative thoughts. Easier said than done, I get it. And in short order, it will start to change. Start thinking positive ones, and in short order, it will start to change. In Christ, we have the power to overcome the negative temptation and deceitful thoughts in our brain. We live from victory, not for victory. It's already won. Yes, we got 21 days, we got 40 days, we're gonna fall down, we have to get back up, but the, the war is already won. We have to come at it from a place of victory. Because if we walk into it hoping for victory, we're already coming in defeated. We have to come in knowing that Jesus died and rose from the grave. And when he did, he completely pulled out the power of the devil. And when we trust him, we receive his power. We receive his victory. And we now are more than conquerors for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have the power to live and think differently by Jesus in us. And this is going to shape how we abide in him. It's going to change, literally, literally change our lives. And it starts here. It starts with our thoughts. Isaiah 23, 6 has been a verse for me that is my, my hope, my trust. Isaiah 23, 6. It is not Isaiah 23, 6. Just Google this, right? It'll be fine. But it says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is set on you. So if someone can search that up so we can give the reference to share that out, that'd be great. Oh my gosh, just flip the numbers. 26.3. That's it. That's it, Stephen. That's it. It's underlined. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Come on. Who wants perfect peace? 
We're going to do a show of hands. I, I don't You can believe in Jesus or not. You want perfect peace. There's not a single planet on the earth, a person on the earth, who'd be like, I'm good. I don't want perfect peace. So do we trust God's word? You keep him in perfect peace whose what? Mind is stayed on you. His mind is fixed on you. This is what we want, and this is what is for us in Jesus. So what do we do? Colossians 3, verse 2. How do we literally change our lives? We change our minds. Colossians 3, verse 2. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Sometimes God's word is just so simple and straightforward. It's like, ha, huh, I know what that means. Set your minds, set your thinking on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. We're not going to struggle to interpret that. We're going to struggle to walk out the door and actually do it. So that means 99.75% of the music that is out there is probably setting our minds on things of this earth. Just guessing. That means that the vast majority of TV and media that we take in is probably not causing us to think about God and things of his kingdom. It's probably causing us to think about things of this world. That means that the vast majority of social media posts that we ingest are probably not causing us to think good things about God. They're probably causing us to think insecure things about ourselves. We're not going to struggle to interpret this. We're going to struggle to apply it. But God's word tells us to set our minds on things above. And his science actually proves that what we think on is what we become. It's what we feel and it's what we do. So, Louis says this in his book, and I'll, so I mean, you want to repeat him. The choice is yours, it's mine. What are we going to think about? Yes, it will take time, but if we commit to setting our minds on things above and not on things of this earth, we will physically transform the thought pathways in our brain. We will kill bad ones and we can build up good ones and it will change how we feel and what we do. It will literally change our lives. Romans 12, I mean, it, it, this is straight from the Bible. It's straight from the Bible. So let's, let's just be honest. It's gonna come down, do we believe this or not? Like, are we believing what it says here or not? Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse two, do not be conformed to this world, flip side, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our lives are transformed when our mind is renewed. When we push out the toxic negative thinking and we build in right thinking. We think right about God. Set your mind on things above. I mean, pure, pure numbers. 
What percentage of thoughts that, are, that you are allowing into your brain, that I'm allowing into my brain, would we say, yeah, these are thoughts of above or these are thoughts of the world? At some point, it's just a numbers game too. If 80% of our thoughts are worldly and 20% are of God, y'all are smart people. You tell me what's gonna happen. We're gonna feel and love and live worldly. This is, and listen, God's inviting us to life, y'all. He's, he's inviting us to abundant life. Second Corinthians 10, let me give us another verse here. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse five. Hope I got this one right. I did, we'll back up. Verse three, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds, mental strongholds. We destroy arguments and every loft and opinion raised against the knowledge of God, against the truth of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. Meaning every thought we have should be moving us towards Jesus. Every thought we have should be moving us towards thoughts that are of Jesus. Every thought we have should be moving us towards feelings that are of Jesus. Every thought we have should be moving us towards actions that are of Jesus. We've gotta ask ourselves, we have a thought and we say, would Jesus endorse this message? Would Jesus himself sign his name on this thought? If no, we are called to take it captive and we have a choice what we will do with that. Play it out. Will this thought lead me to loving God and loving my neighbor more? Or is this thought gonna lead me to loving myself more? Which one does God tell us to do? We take every thought captive and we determine if we're gonna keep thinking on it or not. Am I gonna think on the thoughts that move me towards Christ in obedience, or am I gonna think on thoughts that will move me away from Christ and towards disobedience? So here's what we do. Studies, I mean, science says we have thousands on thousands on thousands of thoughts every day. Right, so Colossians 3, we can leave here and we can choose to set our minds on things above, right? We can choose to read his word. We can choose to listen to music that honors him. We can choose to actively put in thoughts that are on above. But what do we do with the decades of thoughts that have already been in our brain? What do we do with the thoughts that are brought to us? What do we do with the traumatic events that shape our brain, that put thoughts in our mind? Because that's going to happen all the time, all the time. Right, so we can choose, I'm gonna be proactive, I'm gonna set my mind on things above, but we also have to deal with the thoughts that are already there and the thoughts that will be brought to us because we don't live by ourselves. So what do we do? Step one, identify your thoughts and determine if they are godly or toxic. Like this sounds like, like we're in a science class and in some ways we are, but that's okay. We have to take the time to be introspective. We have to take the time to identify our thoughts. The devil does not want you thinking about your thinking. He just wants you to go. 
We have to take the time and start to identify our thoughts and identify, is this godly or not? Is this thought something that Jesus would say? Is this thought something that Jesus would support? Is this thought something that Jesus would encourage? Is this thought something that Jesus would do? One of the best things you can do, and one of the things that I love that Charlie has been leading us frequently in, is to slow down and to pray Psalm 139. It's to slow down and to pray Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. Why? And lead me in the way of everlasting. Will we take the time and the courage to sit and to ask the Holy Spirit to inspect our thoughts and to bring to mind any thought patterns that are negative or toxic or unhealthy. We have to learn to identify the thoughts in our minds. If they're godly, if you're like, what's my thought? My thought is that God is the best. Think on it all day long. Just keep thinking on it. But if the thought is not something that reflects Christ, we are called, we have a choice. You and I have a choice. And, and the reason I've struggled with this sermon is because I have not been good at my choice. Everything in me wants to go and entertain this thought and just make sure that I'm safe and make sure that all is well. Everything in me. I have an insecure, negative thought. Okay, let me go check it out and make sure that everything's okay. And all I'm doing is watering that thought and it will never go away, ever. Until by the power of Christ in me, I choose to think differently. It doesn't matter what they think. My father is proud of me. I don't need to think about that. I don't need to investigate that. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He's got my back. We have to identify our thoughts. And then we've got to ask, what does God say about this thought? What does God say? Ask Jesus, what do you say about this? And then we have to admit before God and to ourselves that we have a choice. We have a choice what we do with these thoughts. His spirit in us has given us the power to choose right. It is not God's fault and it is not anybody else's fault. We have a choice what we do with our thoughts. There's not a lot of things in this world that we have control over. God has given us control over our thoughts. So you may fail as much as I fail, but we've got to own it. That's on me. Not anybody else. We have a choice. Victory is ours already. And then fourth, you got to change the narrative. you got to replace that negative thought with truth. I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. Nope. 
God tells me that I am his beloved son, chosen, and in him I am more than conquerors. That is the thought that I'm going to think over and 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 over again until that thought is dead and gone. You tracking with me? Enough is enough. Let's take our lives back that Christ gave his life for us to have. No longer do we live under the dominion of the devil who has been cast out and overcome. We live in the power of the risen Savior who lives in us, and we choose to think on things above and to set our minds on what is true. And we walk in that. You replace the lies with truth. What does God say about that I'll never be happy? God tells me that the fullness of joy is in his presence, and in Christ I have full access to his presence. So that's dumb. What does God say about this thought that tells me I'm unlovely? Well, God tells me that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that's dumb. And we replace these negative thoughts with truth, the truth of God's word, because the devil wants us freaking spending time over here and killing us. And in some cases, literally killing us. So we identify our thoughts. We, we filter, we ask God, what do you say to this thought? He will tell you. We admit that we have a choice, and then we replace that thought with truth. And we continue to replace that thought with truth. We continue to set our minds there until God, by his power in us, reshapes our brain. And that thought is dead and gone, and we have a new one of truth instead. It will transform our lives. And it's crucial in our abiding in Christ. It's crucial. Charlie, will you come on up and we'll start. Um, I, let's, I want to spend some time to do that. This may be uncomfortable, but you're here, so let's do it. Give yourselves grace. Be patient with the reality that we are all a work in progress. And God is pleased with one step. He loves it. There's a lot of babies here today, which is incredible. And, and as y'all will all know, new parents to babies, as we've seen with ours, when our kids start to walk, they, they don't go from, from nothing to like just jogging down the street. Right? Like, they stand up, and they're kind of tottering, but we're like, oh my gosh, that kid just stood up. This is amazing. And then they take a step, and then they fall. But unless you're just a terrible parent, which if you are, let's talk, um, <laughs> you're not like, what is wrong with you, kid? One step? You're the worst. No, you're like, unbelievable. My kid just took a step. And then you celebrate that they took two steps. And then three, and then four, and then so on. And our father looks at us and he's like, God, you just took a step. And he's so delighted in our progress. And he's not beating us over the head, condemning us because we stumble. He's just cheering us on to get back up and keep going. And so give yourself grace and patience in your own heart as we work to 
towards Christ and he cheers us along and he carries us along. He doesn't condemn us for stumbling. He just picks us back up and encourages us back forward. So I want to invite you, if you're comfortable with this, and if you're not, I want to invite you to do it anyways and step out of your comfort zone. Because what's true is even secular therapists would do the same thing with you. So that's what we're going to do. Will you just close your eyes? Take a deep breath in. And let it out. Breathe in again. Let it out. This breathing actually moves blood through our brain. God created our bodies. It's okay to join in with science and biology to hear from God. Would you hold your hands out open in front of you? Keep breathing. In your own mind, your own conversation in your head, will you thank God that he is here? Just tell him, God, thank you that I'm not alone in this. I thank you that you are with me. Thank you that you go before me and that no matter what might come ahead, goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Thank you, God. Just tell him. Keep breathing. Now acknowledge to God that you know negative and toxic thinking is of the devil and it will steal, kill, and destroy. Acknowledge that you know he wants you to think on things that are above and to think on things that are true. And now in your mind, ask him to search your heart and your thoughts. Deep breath in. Breathe out. Ask him to reveal any grievous thinking. Any thought patterns that may come from your childhood, from last month, any thoughts, ask him to show you. He will show you. Now visualize that thought in your hands. This is pulling thoughts physically from your non-conscious into your conscious mind. He's revealed thoughts to you. Visualize those negative thoughts in your mind. And now visualize yourself dropping those thoughts at the feet of Jesus as he sits on his throne. I 
praise God, tell him, thank you that you have already brought the victory. And that we're living not for victory, but from victory. Praise him for the good work that he has already done in Jesus to free us from these negative thoughts. And now ask God to tell you what is true compared to those negative thoughts. Ask him what he says about that thinking. This is Romans 12, 2, in action. This is how our lives are transformed by the renewal of our mind, where God reveals to us the negative, toxic thinking and allows us to replace that with his truth that will heal and restore and move us towards life. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.